Good morning. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at a well-known part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that's uh, commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. As we look at each one of these, we see that they are they each begin with the words, Blessed are. And what that is talking about is that as we look at these different traits, these different postures of the heart, um, the, 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 the person whose life is characterized by these traits finds himself in an enviable position because it's evidence that God is active and working in their lives. And as we've been going through these, we've seen how each one of them is so relevant to where we are right here, right now, with what's going on in our world. In this day and age, in this time and place right now, they couldn't be more relevant. Uh, and that is especially true for today's. So let's begin as we do each week, and I want to read through the whole passage, and then we're going to look at today's beatitude. Matthew chapter 5, starting at the beginning. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's look at today's beatitude. The, the blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, as we look at this, it's important that we fully understand what a peacemaker is and what a peacemaker is not. Because I've heard, heard it misused a lot. I've heard it referred to a lot in a sense that is not what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, first of all, it has, as, as with everything else in the kingdom of God, it has to do with relationships. The kingdom of God is all about relationships. And to be a peacemaker, it's not the same as being a peaceful person or a peace-loving person. It's, it's, it's different than that. It's not just being peaceful or peace-loving. Being a peacemaker, uh, neither does it mean avoid, uh, uh, it, it doesn't mean avoiding conflict or controversy and not dealing with issues. Some people think that a peacemaker is somebody that just never rustles, uh, ruffles feathers uh, or never deals with ish, difficult issues. It's, it's facing the issues head-on and dealing with them, but in the right attitude in that. Peacemaker is also not a truce maker. His or her goal is not to negotiate a truce between parties that are at odds with each other. What a peacemaker is, is a peacemaker is a reconciler. A reconciler is someone who works to bring two parties together. 
not just a truce, but a real peace. So we're not just talking about having uh, no conflict. We're not just talking about the absence of conflict, but actually going beyond that to the dissolution and resolution of animosity, bitterness, division, strife, resentment. It's addressing those issues and bringing parties together. And there's two aspects of this. Um, one is the Bible talks about reconciling people to each other. You know, when people are having a hard time getting along, when people are having a difficult time and, and they're at odds with each other, bringing them together and reconciling those differences. That's one aspect. The other aspect is reconciling people to God. We are called to help reconcile people to God as well as people to each other. So you got both aspects and both are important. Both are a part of what it means to be a peacemaker. Now, what does it take to be a peacemaker? What is required of us? Uh, well, I just wrote down a few things here that I'd like to share with you as I thought about, you know, what, what, what is involved in it? What does it take? And one is it takes courage. It takes courage to be a peacemaker because you have to be willing to say things that people don't want to hear. I mean, think about it. When people are at odds with each other, they don't want to hear where they might not be right or where they have to change. Um, and it takes courage to be able to speak that. You speak the truth, you speak it in love. But when someone doesn't want to hear something, it takes courage because you don't know what kind of backlash you may get from that. Uh, second thing it takes is it takes love. Love is the motivation that helps to overcome the obstacles and not give up when those obstacles seem too overwhelming. It's not just about bringing peace between parties. It's doing it in an atmosphere of love that cultivates love in the relationship. So it takes that. Um, another thing it takes is the ability to maintain a good attitude um, because it can be so easy. You hear one person say some gripes and it's so easy to just get on their boat or get on their bandwagon. Yes, this was wrong. Yes, this isn't, you know, this isn't right and I agree with you and, and that and get cynical or pick up a negative attitude from that person, then you go to the other one, and what they say sounds right, and you've got to be able to maintain a, a good and a proper attitude yourself and not get involved in, in a negative way in the middle of the conflict. Um, it also takes being a big picture vision person. By that I mean, you're seeing the big picture. You're not just seeing the conflict itself. But what is the big picture that's in play here? What is really going on here? Uh, that's, that's a big picture vision person, one that's able to see that. And you've got to be able to see that if you're going to bring the sides together because you've got to help the others to see that, the parties that you're working with. And the last thing I put down was simply commitment. Uh, because let's face it, 
being a peacemaker is not easy. Peacemaking is not easy work. It is hard work. And there's times when you want to quit. There's times when you think it's hopeless. There's times when you think nothing is happening. And it takes commitment to stick with it. And if you have been working or you are working in a situation trying to be a peacemaker and, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, I want to encourage you to stick with it and, and don't give up. A lot of times God is doing things behind the scenes that we don't realize or that we can't see yet. But if we stick with it, if we do not grow weary and give up, as, as Paul said in Galatians, if we do not grow weary and give up, we will see the benefit. We will see the harvest of our, of our labors, the fruit of our labors. Now, in the Bible, I, I looked and uh, I just pulled out two models of people who were peacemakers. Um, two models, and the first of these is the Apostle Paul. We see him in full action in Philippians chapter 4. He's talking to the church. He's addressing the, the, the church at Philippi. And apparently there were two women in the church that were having trouble getting along. We're not told what the issue was between them. We really don't need to know what the issue was. All we know is that they were not seeing eye to eye. They were not getting along. There was some conflict between them. And... and uh, what the details of, of that uh, were are not important. What's important is to see how Paul handled it. So let's look at Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. So he starts off in light of all that he's previously said so far in this letter. He encourages the church to be true to the Lord and, and, and tells them what a joy they are to him. And then he turns to address the, uh, the issue of these two women. He says in verse 2, Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Look, he says, you're both believers. Give each other some grace. Put your differences aside. What unites you is greater than what separates you. Work things out. He's encouraging them and saying, look, you both, you're both believers. You're on the same team. You're, you're uh, 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 working. You, you really want the same thing. So settle your disagreements. Because the fact that you're believers and, and it tells that you have more, um, uh, uh, you have more that, that, that in, in common than you have in your differences. So settle the disagreements. And then he addresses a leader in the church, a, a partner in the gospel, uh, and he asks, uh, he asks them to help. You know, because uh, let's face it, sometimes we need help resolving issues, don't we? Sometimes we need somebody else to to lovingly and the right attitude and the right motivation and everything else get involved and, and bring us together with those that we have conflict with. You know, when we, when we become a believer, it doesn't mean that suddenly, suddenly, you know, we all get along together, we don't have any conflict with each other. Sometimes we have very real conflict with other believers. 
What it means when we become a believer is that we work out our differences. We're committed to each other. We're committed to work out our differences. So Paul continues in verse 3, and then he says, And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. He brings things into perspective. Look, guys, he says, these women worked side by side with me, side by side with us in advancing the gospel. We are all on the same team. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to come together and reconcile our differences, help them out of it if they need it. Um, that's the job of a peacemaker. Somebody that comes alongside when needed and helps bring parties together uh, that are, that are um, at odds with each other. And we need that sometimes. We need that. You know, too often uh, when people get into conflict, it, it goes along for a little while and then they just separate. They just, you know, use the term, what is it, cut, bait, and run. You know, they just, they, they, they just cut the ties and they take off. And that's a cowardly thing to do. It really is. We should be able, as believers, we should be able to, to um, um, work out our differences and resolve them in a spirit of love, in a spirit of unity. See, as believers, we have a responsibility to reconcile our differences. If we can't do that as believers, then how would we ever expect anyone else to? You see, we've been given, each one of us as believers has been given a ministry of reconciliation, peacemaking, reconciling, maintaining unity. It's the job of the whole body. So that's our first example, how, how Paul reconciled uh, or, or worked to reconcile, to bring peace between Yodia and Syntyche. Now let's look at Jesus. Let's look at a passage in Ephesians, speaking about Jesus, starting in Ephesians 2, the middle of verse 15. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. So Jesus made peace between the Jew and the Gentile, and really that covers everybody, because a Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew. So Jesus made peace between all mankind, and he did it through his death on the cross. And let me tell you something. When you think about that, how, how much peacemaking matters to him, whether it's between people or between, pe you know, between people and each other or between people and God, it matters so much to him that it cost him everything. It cost Jesus everything to do what he did but he willingly paid the price. He had the courage to face the cross, knowing the excruciating pain he would go through. He had the courage to face that. He did it because of his great love for us. He did it with an attitude of joy because 
He was able to look beyond the cross to the other side when all things would be restored to God's original intent. And he was determined, he was committed to accomplishing what he came to do. He had that moment in the garden where he said, Father, there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me. But then he says, but not my will, yours be done. He was committed to doing the work his father sent him to do. And through his death on the cross, Jesus reconciled mankind to God and reconciled mankind to each other as well. That's the key to, make it to, to, to peacemaking right there. Relationship with God through Jesus. Because everything flows out of a relationship with Christ. When we come into relationship with him, he gives us the ability as well as the responsibility to reconcile with each other. Through him, we have peace with God. And through him, we can have peace with others as well. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are the children of God when we resemble God our Father. We are the children of God when we do the work of God. When we make what's important to Him important to us. Colossians 1.20 says, Through Him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That is the good news of the gospel. Now, we are going to commemorate what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross by taking communion. So if you don't have it, already have it ready, uh, get your juice and and get your uh, bread ready and uh, as you do let's j just take a moment and examine your heart uh, if things aren't right between you and the Lord take a moment and make it right if you don't have a relationship with him we invite you to do that now all you need to do is put your faith in the fact that Jesus died was buried and rose again from the dead on the third day and you put your trust in that and say, I'm, I'm banking on that and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you as in you know, wherever you lead me for the rest of my life. You don't have to work to earn it. You can't work to earn it. It's a free gift. So if you want that relationship with him, just take a moment, bow your head right where you are and just pray to him in your own words and tell him that. And then if there's something that isn't right between you and someone else, you know it's not right, then make a commitment. Just make a commitment to Jesus and say, Lord, first chance I get, I'm not going to put it off, but first chance I get, I'm going to make things right between us. So, do you have your juice and your bread? I want to read from what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11. Get the bread ready here. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul says then that whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we've just done. We proclaim the Lord's death is going to the cross for our sin, not his own because he had none, but for our sin. And he paid that price for us so that we didn't have to. And we proclaim that until he comes back because one day Jesus is going to return. We don't know when. People have set dates in the past and said, you know, it's going to be this year, that year, and they're all wrong because the Bible tells us that none of us know. And we're not going to know until he appears again, and then we will see him. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the ultimate price that you paid by going to the cross, paying the price for us that we didn't have to. You did it because you love us that much and you desire a relationship with us. You made peace through your death on the cross. You made peace between mankind and the Father. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us learn what it is to be peacemakers. Lord, we need peacemakers in this world. There's too many that are pointing fingers at others and saying, this is what's wrong with you and that's what's wrong with you and you need to change. Father, we need people that have the courage to stand up, to speak truth, but to speak it in love and bring people together and to do everything we can to make peace not only between each other and other people but to help people to make peace with you Lord use us teach us Show us how it's done. Show us how to do it. And empower us and equip us, Lord, to make peace. Now I want to give you a benediction. A benediction is just simply a blessing. I like to leave you with one every week. I believe that there is power in the spoken word. When we speak, there is power in our words, so I'd like to leave you with a blessing every week. May God make you worthy of his calling 
and by his power may he bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We love you. We miss you. Hope to see you soon. August 2nd is coming up quicker than you, uh, than you think, so we'll be together then. In the meantime, have a great week this week. Before we go, let's join one more song of worship. <laughs>